You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Right, the Bible talks about how he knows us, how uh, there are names written in the book of life before he ever began to create. And so there's an element there of wisdom and design that God doesn't just start doing things and then start shooting from the hip as things start happening. So God doesn't have to go back to the drawing board when Adam and Eve mess up in the Garden of Eden. God knew that they were going to mess up in the Garden of Eden. That's why the Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world, Christ was slain as our sacrificial lamb. And so the plans before Genesis, the fact that we serve a God who not only created everything, and, and, and we can look at creation and, and be wowed by creation. I had one of these moments yesterday. Um, I was telling, I think, Alex and Philip this morning. Um, I was able to go hunting yesterday. And so I'm sitting in the stand, and I told you, this is, this is just a great opportunity for me whenever I can get into the woods to enjoy God's creation. And it was just awesome. Sun's coming up, and the, the sky looked like it was on fire the moon, a full moon on the other horizon. So I'm kind of going back and forth. We got sun and moon. I'm thinking about God creating day and night. Then a deer walks out, and and so I'm looking at it in the scope. And then I, I seriously just stopped for a second, stepped back, and I said, "This is awesome! Like such an amazing setting." And I was just like, "This is why I come and do this, so I can appreciate my Creator." Um, so it was just a really cool experience for me yesterday. And I'm trying to remember why I even brought this up. Um, no, it wasn't worth shooting, but that's beside the point. Overall, the setting was amazing. So we serve a God who created all of this, right? But he also has such wisdom in his design, not just in creation, but in where creation is going, where the future is going. And so God put plans into place before he ever started creating because he knew where he intended for it to go. So God allowed for sin to happen, and he allowed his plan to be in place to where he didn't have to change anything or adjust anything. He already had it in his plans that Christ was going to be crucified. And so because we serve a God like that, we can trust in God moving forward with all of our future plans, with all of our future hopes. We know that they're guaranteed. The Bible promises that, and we can trust in that because we serve a God who has demonstrated such wisdom prior to creation. And that's such an important point as we try to interact with people around us, interact with coworkers and family and friends. For some of us that are going to leave this church and plant overseas, to be able to communicate to others the assurance that we have in the future because of what we see when we look to the past. And we see God completely in control at all times, in all places. Okay, Number two. We are created to worship and to produce other worshipers, right? So we see that theme in this Genesis creation account where God creates life and then life is supposed to reproduce after its own kind, right? So we talked about the the structure and the stability of creation, how different animals produce the same types of animals, that we don't have to wonder on, on the day of birth, on the day of delivery, whether you're going, to, whether an animal is going to have another type of animal that it produces after its kind. Same with us. We produce after our kind. But there's spiritual connotation for that as well, that we're called to reproduce ourselves. And I challenge you, that, that's, a, that's a human mandate given to Adam and Eve. But for some of us in here today, we're not married, so, so we, we, we can't, according to biblical standards, reproduce. But from a spiritual standpoint, we can we're supposed to be reproducing other worshipers of God. 
to the ends of the earth. And so we pour ourselves into others, discipleship, creating worshipers of God. So we all have that mandate to reproduce ourselves. Number three, allow Genesis to be a conversation starter for the gospel. This is a great way to get into discussion about someone's religion and where they believe everything gets its source from. That allows us to communicate who God is. It allows us to communicate the necessity of Christ when we, when we go back and see Adam and Eve and their failure. So allowing Genesis, allowing our, our basic knowledge of the origins of the earth according to what we believe the Bible teaches to be a conversation starter with people that we work with. Uh, where do they think the world began? Where do they think the world gets its purpose? Where does human, uh, human beings get their purpose from? We can use that as a conversation starter. Number four, we talked about us being created in God's image. Am I imaging God well in my similarities? We talked about our attributes being similar to God's. In my relationships, we talked about the relationship that the Trinity had before creation, Father, Son, and Spirit, in unity and in love with each other. Are we imaging that properly in our relationships with others? And then my task to subdue the earth faithfully. So that's a big point. When God creates man and woman, he gives them purpose. He gives them a job to accomplish, to subdue the earth. Number five, our fight against sin and pursuit of sanctification is an expression of our desire to return to our rightful image. So we said that because of Adam and Eve's sin, we're broken, right? So even in our attempts to be like God from his attribute standpoint, as we try to love others and show um, mercy to others and to uh, cherish the concept of justice, that all of that's perverted because of our sins. So we don't love completely selflessly like we should, like God does. We're broken because of sin. And so as we strive to fight sin, as we strive to pursue sanctification, as we meet with other believers regularly in the local church setting, as we study our Bibles, as we spend time in prayer, all those efforts to pursue sanctification, becoming holy, is an is a outward sign that we want to be made right again. And we have that promise that when Jesus comes back, we're going to be put right back into the rightful image of God, that we're going to be transformed, our bodies are going to be changed, we're going to be made into the image of Christ, that idea of restoration. Number six, am I guilty of overworking because I find my security and identity in creation rather than the creator? Right. So we've been talking about this concept of work and rest, the fact that God rested on the seventh day. That he was very busy for six days creating and doing things. And on the seventh day, he steps back and celebrates and rests. He celebrates his accomplishments. And I told you that God ordained the Sabbath in the Old Testament not to be not to be a meanie, not to rob people of their joy. Because we talk about, man, I hope we don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. Hopefully that's something that we don't have to do in the New Testament. And we talked about the fact, what a great thing that God gave his people, a day off from work. Where women weren't supposed to cook, you were supposed to stay at home and enjoy time with family. Like that's a good thing. And so the challenge for us, because we live in a culture where we overwork ourselves and we, we plan to stay busy. Most of us, when we look at the weekend and see nothing going on, we start to panic and think, well, I've got to schedule something. I've got to do something. I can't possibly just sit at home all day. Are we overworking ourselves because we find security and identity in our creation rather than the creator? Number seven, am I worshiping God through the work that he has tasked me with? Right? We talked about that. Work is given to us as a way to worship God. We don't worship our work. We worship God through the work that he's given us. We do it joyfully. We do it gladly. Even those of us that work jobs that at the end of the day we may say, 
I don't see a whole lot of eternal significance in doing this. The fact that God has tasked you with it gives it significance. The fact that we subdue the earth as part of God's creation gives every job that's represented in here significance. We're to do it with joy. We're to do it with gladness. We're to do it as a means of worshiping God. And we're going to talk more about that as we get into chapter 2. All right? Um, Number eight, am I structuring my week to include good works? Last week, we talked about the fact that as Christians, we're to be known for the good works that we accomplish, that the Bible honors those who intentionally schedule good works into their life. And we should be that type of person as well. Number nine, am I planning my week to overcome sinful tendencies to be unproductive and lazy? So we spent a lot of time the last two weeks talking about the, the, the idea of scheduling our week, doing so that we schedule the right things to happen, we schedule time to rest. We're going to look at some more of that application here this morning. Number 10, am I scheduling the important things or just the urgent things? Anybody ever read the book Tyranny of the Urgent? Anybody ever heard of that? Miss Carolyn, Sarah? Okay, Tyranny of the Urgent, I mean, anybody in this room can read this book, right? It's only like 31 pages, and by 31 pages, they're like this tall. So it's like a pamphlet. So everybody in here can read it. It's $1.50 on Amazon if you want to order it. Um, Tyranny of the Urgent, the concept behind the book is that we are so oftentimes consumed with doing the things that we consider urgent, things that we feel like have to be done, and we so often neglect the things that need to be done, that should be done, right? So none of us typically leave here and consider Bible study, prayer, urgent things, right? Like nobody gets a call and says, hey, can you, you want to go do this? No, I've got to study my Bible this morning. Like I have to do it this morning, right? Most of us can say, oh, I can put that off. I'll do that at a different time. This is more important right now. The idea of the tyranny of the urgent is that too oftentimes we're consumed with what we label urgent things And too oftentimes we neglect the things that are important, things that really need to be done. They just don't factor into our schedule because there's not a timetable. There's not a deadline for them. And so I would encourage us and challenge us to make sure that we're scheduling the important things into our life and not just being consumed with the urgent things. And then lastly, number 11, am I planning to finish each week well so that I can celebrate in rest? I really intentionally did that this week. Um, I knew that I had some opportunities to to enjoy creation yesterday. Um, Lauren was gracious enough to let me both hunt yesterday morning and yesterday afternoon. I had a dad from Trinity call me up that wanted me to come hang out with him and his son. So I got to go down to their property yesterday and, and spend time hunting. And what was so great about the entire experience yesterday is that I could look back on my week and say, done, finished. I've accomplished everything that I intended to do this week. And now I can enjoy Saturday, a day of rest for me, and not be consumed with other things that I need to be doing. And that's really where I want to see us go as a church family, that we're structuring our weeks, we're scheduling our weeks, we're being very intentional with our weeks to accomplish what God has for us so that we can honor him by taking a day of rest to celebrate everything that's happened that week because of his power through us. And that's kind of where I want us to to go with today. What you see in the rest of your sheet is basically, for the first time on paper, what's been in my mind for a long time, how I structure my calendar, how I structure my week, how I determine what I will do and what I won't do during each week. 
And so I want to kind of walk you through this process so that you can tailor it to your needs, tailor it to your personality, tailor it to what would work for you to accomplish the things, the tasks that God has given to you. Okay, so in your notes there, first of all, remember that Jesus controls our schedules. We need to accomplish everything through him, right? James 4 says, don't be the type of person that that schedules in advance in such a way that you leave the creator out of it. That there needs to be enough flexibility where we say, God's sovereign over my week. It may not look like I thought it was going to look. I'm completely submitted to him and him changing my plans. But as much as I can, as much as I'm able to, here's what I believe God has for me this week. All right. What I've been challenging you guys to do, number one, is to define your roles and tasks. And I want to get a little bit more specific today with what that looks like. There's three questions you can ask yourself to kind of get the ball rolling in this direction. Question number one, what areas am I responsible for in life? And try to group them into as few as possible. And I've already shared this with you, but when I stand before Christ one day, I believe he's going to assess my faithfulness. When he talks about being a faithful servant, me being a faithful servant or not a faithful servant is really going to be contingent on these areas. So I've kind of broken my life down into the fact that I'm a Christian I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a principal, I'm a pastor, I'm a coach, and I'm a sportsman. I'm one who, for my hobbies, I enjoy being outside, playing sports, hunting, fishing. God's going to hold me accountable to that if for no other reason as to whether or not I became a worshiper of that. Okay, So I believe that that falls into this category because I don't want to stand before Christ one day and him rebuke me because of the amount of time that was invested in that, into those activities that I enjoy doing. So I believe I'll be held accountable for that as well. So I see my life, I compartmentalize my life into these areas. These are what I'm supposed to be. And that naturally affects what I'm supposed to do. So question number two, what is my purpose in each area of responsibility? These are mission statements for these roles that I'm supposed to fulfill. The things that I'm trying to accomplish. Now, this is a work in progress. I put these down this morning as I was studying. I'm still tweaking this, still kind of working through this. But I wanted to give you an example of what I'm trying to do in my life. So as a Christian, my purpose is to glory, to glorify God. See, there's an error. To glorify God by trusting him fully with my life and calling others to do the same. Okay, so in that mission statement, that obviously implies personal growth. That I'm, I'm learning to trust him more and more with all areas of my life. That can go in all kinds of different directions. With my finances, with my relationships, with my family. I'm trying to trust God more and more with my life. And I'm trying to lead others to do the same. Which connects me with my church family, discipleship relationships. That's my purpose as a Christian. To trust God more and more with my life and lead others to do the same. Secondly, as a husband, my purpose is to love my wife as Christ loved the church. That one probably doesn't need to be tweaked too much since that one came directly from Jesus, right? So um, as a father, my purpose is to raise my children to love, trust, and fear their true father, right? So as a dad, in all the responsibilities that I have, ultimately, I want to image what a father looks like to them, their one true father. So I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to be flawed. But at the end of the day, my purpose is to point them to their heavenly father and everything that I do, the way that I interact with them, the way that I discipline them, the way that I love their mother. As Christ loved the church, everything that I do, I'm wanting to point my kids to their one true father. 
As a principal, my purpose is to construct an educational environment that prepares students naturally, spiritually, and eternally. As a pastor, my purpose is to teach, train, and equip the flock of God to mature and multiply. As a coach, my purpose is to build young men, not young man, in the areas of discipline, responsibility, and sportsmanship. And then as a sportsman, my purpose is to enjoy God's creation as a means of rest through the avenue of athletics and outdoor activity. Okay, so these are, these are works in progress, but these are definitions for what I'm trying to be in these areas because that's going to help shape the type of activities that I do in these areas. So you see the next section there, question number three, what tasks am I called to fulfill in each area of responsibility in order to be faithful? Now, this is definitely a work in progress. I just wanted to get enough down for you to see some examples, but this is by no way meant to be thorough or exhaustive. As a Christian, I'm to grow spiritually through time in the word and prayer. I'm to fight sin until Jesus returns. I'm to disciple others to maturity. Um, as a husband, I'm supposed to spend regular, meaningful time with my wife, oversee the financial stability of our family, provide upkeep to home and vehicles. As a father, spend reg regular, meaningful time with each child oversee the effective discipline of our children, ensure that uh, my children are introduced and educated in the glories of the gospel early and often. As a principal, I've been, I've been tasked and, and uh, asked to hire qualified staff that fit with the overall mission of the school, to select curriculum that is educationally challenging and spiritually nurturing, to oversee the character development and discipline of our student body. As a coach, to select qualified assistants to serve alongside me, to develop a program that challenges the athletic development of the age group entrusted to me, to provide a quality game plan that puts our athletes in a position to succeed on the field, to maintain balance and purpose for athletics by reminding our players that God's glory rather than individual victories is our ultimate aim. And then as a sportsman, to maintain proper balance with time management so that my activities are a means of rest and not an avenue of worship to maintain proper balance in the area of financial commitment to these activities, right? So when I'm, when I'm doing marital counseling and I'm talking to the guys, I'm always challenging them because they've got to understand the concept of budgets coming together, right? They've been free spenders before. My money was meant for me, and now there's two involved that you can't just run out to the, the sports store every time that you want to buy something new for your hobby that there's some balance that's just really start happening now because you're financially responsible for more than just you. And that's something that I have to maintain in our family. I don't just go out and buy the newest and latest and greatest fishing equipment or hunting equipment. I've got to balance it with the fact that this is a means of rest and not a means of worship for me. And that ought to be reflected in my checkbook and the amount of money that's spent on it. Um, use my activities as a means of connecting with others for fellowship rather than solely a means of retreat for myself. So when I'm engaging in these activities, Lauren knows a lot of time I'm trying to bring other people along with me. It allows me to serve two purposes. A lot of times I can enjoy the outdoors and be a pastor, right? I can take individuals from our church and use it as a means of discipleship and encouragement. Why do it in a boring office when we can do it on the lake, in a boat, fishing, right? So, so I try to combine those aspects together a lot of times. So what I'm trying to work through in my life right now is what am I supposed to be doing? What are the roles that God has given me in subduing the earth? I'm a pastor, a father, a husband, sportsman, principal. All these things God has 
called me to be? What am I supposed to do in those areas? So these are the kind of things I'm listing. But obviously I don't do all these things every week, right? Like I'm not called to do every one of these things every single week. And so that leads us to number two, architect your schedule. Question number one, what tasks for each area of responsibility need to be completed this week? Okay, so as I'm kind of thinking through Saturday, Sunday, thinking through my next week, how am I going to spend, Lord willing, the the six, seven days that he's going to give me next week? What am I going to do with those days? And how does that connect with what I'm supposed to be doing as a husband, as a father, as a principal, as a coach? Because I want to make sure that I accomplish the task that God has given me, but to really do it this week. And so that leads to question number one. What task am I supposed to do this week? And here's some answers that you might find in my life on a typical week. As a Christian, I'm going to meet for accountability on Wednesdays with my group. I'm going to spend time in the Word and prayer specifically on Saturday. So you guys know, I protect Saturdays, either Sunday or either Saturday morning most of the time. But if something does come up, then I protect Saturday evening. So I've got set aside time, five, six hours, that I'm going to spend time with God in my life. I'm going to be in the Word. I'm going to be in prayer. That, 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 that's a set thing for me each week. As a husband, schedule a date night this week. Get oil changed in the expedition. Clean out gutters, right? That ties back to the fact that as the husband, I'm supposed to keep the house in a way that Lauren can't. So Lauren does a lot of the maintenance of our house at home during the day, but there's some things that, that I've kind of taken on the responsibility to do. So I don't want Lauren cleaning the gutters out with the kids or doing nap time. Let me handle that during the week. I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm going to take the oil to get it changed so that if they tell us something's wrong with the car, Lauren doesn't have to understand what they're saying and then bring that information back to me. There's just some things that I handle as the husband of our family. It doesn't have to be this way for your family, but these are things that I try to handle, and so this is what a normal week might look for me. As a father, be home from work by 4.30 this week to spend time with the kids. Take A.J. to get his hair cut. I try to take A.J. on errands with me periodically when I can. The other night we had to go to Home Depot, or I had to go to Home Depot to get some stuff. And so as a means of letting Lauren get a little bit of rest and only have one child, I'll, I'll grab him and take him with me. And, you know, I'm trying to develop the art of conversation with him right now. And so he's at an age now where he is starting to be able to have conversations. Sometimes it starts to go in a weird direction. But for the most part, we're trying to learn how to communicate as father and son. And so that's an enjoyable time for me to be able to pull him and just spend time with him. That's a role that I have as a, as a father. Principal, send home the weekly newsletter on Monday. Work on technology plan for next year. As a pastor, meet with the elders on Wednesday night. Work on the new church website. Develop sermon on Saturday. Coach, watch game film to prepare for the upcoming game. Send out emails to parents about our banquet. As a sportsman, schedule time to hunt with Adam Long. Purchase a new climbing stand. Like These are things that might would fall into a normal week for me. And they can all be traced back to one of the roles that I have. Then question number two, which task am I already scheduled to complete? And when are the best times to complete the other tasks? So some things fall in the same time slot every week. Like I always send my newsletter home on Mondays. So as I plan my work week out, Monday mornings are committed to typing up the newsletter, getting that out to my family. I've got accountability on Wednesdays. That's just something that's set in my calendar. So I go ahead and kind of fill in those blocks, knowing that those are already claimed. Those are already times where I have to do certain things. And then I fill in the gaps with everything else that I need to do during the week. 
You'll see there um, the tasks to be completed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then tasks and plans for rest on Saturday and Sunday. I put in there when are the best times to complete the other tasks because just because you give time to something doesn't mean that it's productive, right? We all have times where we're more productive than other times. So if you're, you're least productive late at night, then don't make that the time that you hang out with your wife, right? Lauren knows I'm in a phase right now where I can't stay up really past 9.30, 9 o'clock. Like, if she's doing anything besides hanging out with me, I'm asleep by the time she comes back. Um, that happened last night. She was doing some stuff. We put the kids down. I laid down and was gone before she ever finished what she was doing. Don't schedule things in your week when you're uh, least productive just because you give time to it. So don't don't try to sit down and study the Bible at a time of day when it's not going to be productive. You personally have to figure out when am I most productive and when can and how can I put the most important tasks into those time slots. Even last night, I would have I really was I was really doing everything I could to try to go hunting this morning. And so I was trying to finish everything up for today last night. And really I got to the point where I said it's not worth it's not worth what's going on right now. I'm ready to go to sleep. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning early and just spend time preparing for today, putting together these notes rather than trying to be productive at a time of night when I was not being very productive. So we have to pick and choose when to do certain tasks based on our ability to be productive. And then number three, reduce the expendables. We talked about this some last week. What items could I possibly pass off to someone else to provide myself with additional time for other tasks this week? I told you last week, I'm, I'm prone to pay somebody to do certain things just to free up my schedule. So this summer, I paid somebody to pressure wash my house and pressure wash my driveway. That's something that I could do. I could go rent a pressure washer, do it for maybe half the cost but I'm going to spend a full day trying to figure out how to use the pressure washer. I'm going to spend maybe an additional day fixing things that I broke with the pressure washer. And so for me, at the end of the day, I said, here's a check. Thank you for pressure washing my house and my driveway. I'm doing something else during that time. So I do try to eliminate things that I can to free up more time in my schedule to do the things that I want to do, the things that I'm gifted to do, the things that I enjoy doing. Number four, execute the plan. Enjoy the process all week long of accomplishing the task that God has given to you to subdue his earth. It's a means of worship. We should enjoy every week and not just Saturday and Sunday. We talked about this in our men's group, I think, back when we were doing pizza and theology nights. We talked about how it's easy to fall into the the trap of living for the weekend, right? Like, I hate Monday, hate Tuesday, hate Wednesday, just trying to get to Saturday and Sunday, just trying to get there. And we, we miss the journey. We hate the five days. We get to the weekend. Ah, now life. And we ought to be types of individuals that enjoy the entire week, that, that we enjoy working. We enjoy the things that God has given to us. And we can do that if we plan in such a way where it's not a stressful experience, where we're not trying to, to grasp and reach for, for all these tasks that are supposed to get done and we never feel like we can get ahead If we take a little bit of time to plan, I believe we can enjoy the process a whole lot more. As we see our plan kind of unfold during the week, we can execute it more joyfully when we do that, I believe. And then lastly, number five, and this is why the day of rest is so important, evaluating your effectiveness. How effective was I this week in being faithful to my areas of responsibility? And then what changes, if any, do I need to make next week to increase my faithfulness? 
Right? If you're not careful, we, we can get so busy, and, and we talked about this last week, our weeks don't ever seem to stop because we're so busy that it just seems like one continuous thing going on and going on and going on. And before you realize it, five years are gone, and you look back and you say, have I been a good husband? Have I been a good father in the midst of this busy schedule? Break, God has given us the week. Remember, we've said there's no celestial reason, right? We've got celestial reasons for why we have years and months. The way that God's ordained the sun and the moon and the orbits, like that's why we break our calendar down the way that we do. There really is no rhyme or reason for the seven-day week beyond creation. And God has given us that pause button, that, that, that day of rest to step back and say, all right, let's take some inventory. How did I do last week? Did I, was I faithful? Was I faithful? And where can I be more faithful moving forward? In John, uh, I believe it's 17, when Jesus is praying at the end of his life in the garden, he's praying to his heavenly father, and he's talking about, I- I'm done with what you've called me to do. I- I've finished. I've finished the task that you have given to me. In the same way that God got done with creative week and said, done, finished. Jesus comes to the end of his life and says, done, finished. Now, we could have taken a poll with the disciples, and the disciples would have said, you're not done. You still have more to teach us. You still have more to do. There's still more people to be healed. But Jesus had prioritized the main things, the important things, the things that his father had given to him. And he said, yes, there's more that could be done, but I have finished what God has given to me to do. And I want all of us to get to that point in life, whether we die early or later, that we have completed the things that God has given to us. And part of the process of being able to complete those things is planning to do so. So this is kind of how I structure my week and how I plan my week. I've compartmentalized it to where I'm trying to fulfill these roles. I'm trying to fulfill these missions for each one of these roles. And I'm right now in the process of making sure that I'm coming up with all of my responsibilities for those roles so that as I assess each week, I know exactly what tasks need to be done this week for me to be faithful. All right, a couple of, a couple more things I want to give you before we're done today. Um, you might want to write these down on the back. Some further study opportunities for you. I mentioned the pamphlet already, Tyranny of the Urgent. That's by Charles Hummel. Again, that's $1.50 on Amazon. I may even go to the trouble of ordering every one of you one. Um... I mentioned the book last week that I'm reading right now. It's called What's Best Next by Matt Perman. It's a great book that has a lot to say about being productive with your week and being productive with the right things. So this isn't just a self-help type of day where here's how to be more productive. We want to be productive with the things that God has called us to. Um, And so Matt Perman's book is a really great resource that I'm using right now. And then I would encourage you, I'm going to post... This week, um, two different links on the city. One, there's an article by Tim Challies called Eight Ways to Get More Done This Week. And I would ch- I'm going to try to post this today so that you can read it today. I would encourage you to, to pick one of them and try to implement it this week. Eight different ways to be more productive this week. It was really helpful as I was kind of reading through it. I mean, it was cool to see that some of the things that he was referenced, we've already referenced in our time. Uh, but I'd encourage you to read that. It's a short article. It's got some really helpful tools that you could implement this week. And then I'm also going to post Tim Challies' series called How to Get Things Done. And there's, there's multiple entries into the series, and he's still writing it currently. Um, 
It's a lot of helpful information, but for some of you it would be not helpful because of the fact that he's operating more from a knowledge work perspective versus a manual work perspective. And so in the book that I'm reading, he kind of differentiates between individuals who have to do a lot of knowledge work. These are people that sit behind a desk that are responsible for figuring things out all day long. Like that's, that's what my jobs are. I sit in front of a computer. I interact with people all day long. I'm just figuring out things. And so for me, a day of rest is a day of manual labor, right? Like I love coming home and cutting the grass and being manually doing something because I get tired of sitting behind a desk. Others of you, your job is manual labor. And so a day of rest is being able to just think and talk and have real conversation and not just going through some type of monotonous system. Um, so a lot of what he suggests and, and gives advice on has to do with someone who, who has a lot of organization to do with their knowledge and thoughts. Um, so those are some areas for further study. And then I wanted to um, just make a couple of suggestions about some apps that you can use um, on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer that help with some of this organizational component of, of planning your week. Um, Evernote is a, is a tool that I use a lot. It, it syncs with my phone, my, my iPad, and my computer. I store all kinds of information on Evernote regarding things that I need to be doing as a, as a Christian husband, father, principal. Um, Evernote is a free app. It's a great cloud-based storage, and what that means is, is that you can access it from any device. You don't have to have a notebook with you to reference your information. You can pull it up on anybody's device. You can just enter your information in, boom, it's right there in front of you. And so I keep a lot of tasks that I'm trying to accomplish in my family on Evernote so that I can reference it wherever I am. Um, there's some task management tools that I've downloaded recently that help with just to-do lists. Um, one of them is called To-Do-Ist. It's T-O-D-O-I-S-T. That one's free. There's another one called Things. Oh, and let me just stop you. Most of these are in the App Store for Apple. Sorry. So for all of you that have just recently switched away from your iPhones, this section's not going to be as beneficial for you. Um, there, um, there's some there's some self-control tools that I've been made aware of. I haven't tried any of these yet, and I'm not going to give you names unless you want to come talk to me about it because I know some of you are thinking this is I don't use apps. I don't need this type of thing. But there are apps out there that will block websites for a set amount of time during your day. So if you're the type that sees yourself wasting time on Facebook, Twitter, ESPN.com, you can set it up to where from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. you can't access it because you know that's a time when I'm supposed to be doing something. I need to be productive during that time. You can set it up to where you can't go to it. Um, so there's, there's accountability software that will protect you from inappropriate sites. These are good sites, but you come home, you're a husband, you say, you know what, I need to be intentional with my wife. Too oftentimes I'm prone to pull up ESPN.com. I'm going to block it. I'm going to block it to help teach me self-control so that I'm doing what I need to be doing and not taking an alternative to do something that I just want to do. Um, there's apps that are available to inform you of how you're spending your time online that will kind of break it down and let you know how much time you're on some of these websites, which will help you do some inventory yourself on whether you're wasting time. Um, there's apps that will shut down portions of your computer at times. So if, if you're setting aside time, okay, this is when I want to do email, 
it'll just shut the internet down completely to where you can't um, deviate from your task and start doing other things. Um, there's apps that will remind you to take breaks to maximize your production. Some of us just need five-minute breaks so that we can just get away and then come back and continue doing what we're doing. There's apps that will do that type of thing for you. Um, there's apps that will limit the amount of time you can spend on a site. So you may say, okay, I don't, I don't want to spend more than two hours on Facebook this week. I'm going to set it up and go old school like AOL.com used to be. Remember when, when Internet first came out and, like, you were, like, on a restriction? You only had, like, a certain amount of time that you paid for, and then when it was done, it was done. Anybody remember that? Yeah? Yeah, some of you remember that. Because I remember my dad used to get on to He's like, you guys are almost done. Like, you almost used up your monthly allotment. You can set it up that way to where you budget how much time you're allowed to spend on certain websites so that you have to strategically use it and not just waste time uh, being on some of those certain things. So I can give you further direction on that if you'd like. Again, I don't want to bore some of you with that when it may not be helpful for you. Any questions, thoughts, or, or additions to be made to this? Again, I just wanted to give you a glimpse into my life and how I'm trying to apply what we're learning in Genesis, how to be a productive individual using God's week for his glory and also trying to do it in such a way where I can rest at the end of the week and celebrate and look back and say, wow, God has been good. He gave me a job to work this week, and I've seen him faithfully use me. Here's what I want to do moving forward next week to do a better job in some of the roles that God has given me. So any questions, thoughts, or additions that anybody wants to communicate this morning? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yep. And they may have an explanation for it. I just haven't been able to identify what that explanation is. I mean, they may come back and say that this, the crystal spaceship told them seven-day weeks, but... <laughs> I'm not aware of that. <laughs> Any other maybe maybe advice that you have how you're uh managing your week to be productive and how you're kind of structuring things that would be beneficial? All right, well, like I said, I'm going to post these things um, on the city um, today, hopefully, and, and allow you to kind of read through some of those articles as a means of encouragement and, and encourage you to maybe pick up the book that I referenced um, as well. We want to close our time out today like we, like we do for every application Sunday, and that's through um, partaking of the Lord's Supper together. And so we've structured it to where we do the Lord's Supper. 
on our application Sundays because it's a it's a uh, an outward visual sign. So baptism is something that happens one time in a believer's life, or supposed to happen one time, where that's a an indication to the church family that I have I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and I've been I've been washed, I've been renewed, I've been changed. I'm surrendering my life to him. And then moving forward as a church family, we partake of the Lord's Supper. And and part of the reason we do that is to simply encourage each other that we're still wanting to follow Jesus. We're still wanting to say no to sin. We're still wanting to say yes to everything that he's called us to. And so it's probably the closest thing that we get to a rededication at Sovereign Hope. It's, It's not a rededication in the sense of, um, you only do it if you've had just a, a gross amount of sin going on in your life. It's simply a, a testimony to everybody that I'm still following Jesus, that my heart is still bent towards him and the things that he's called us to. And so here at Sovereign Hope, we believe that the Lord's Supper is an, is a, is an outward sign, a ceremony that we partake in that has nothing to do with our salvation. So we don't do it to 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 be saved. We don't do it to keep our salvation we do it as an act of obedience. It's a, it's a means for us to, again, hit that pause button and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to keep following Jesus. Um, it's also a, a reminder that we won't do this forever. As the Bible says, there's coming a day when, when Jesus comes back. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we do this until Jesus comes back. And so it also serves as a reminder to us this morning that Christ has not come back yet. And so there's still work to be done. There's still tasks to be completed. There's still people that need to hear the gospel. And so we press on as a church family, doing our part to glorify God with those tasks. But we also look forward to the day that Jesus comes back when, when this activity stops because we're able to eat and enjoy time with him personally. And so as we partake this morning, just as a reminder, the, the bread, the 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 crackers that we partake of this morning is a symbol of Christ's perfect life, that Jesus Christ came to be perfect where Adam was not perfect, where Eve was not perfect, where they failed in the garden. Jesus Christ came to be the perfect image of God, and he came to accomplish everything that his father gave to him, and he did so perfectly on our behalf. And so God demands perfection. He demands holiness, and none of us are capable of that. And it's only by the grace of Jesus and his perfect work that we can be accepted into the uh, presence of God. In addition to that, because of our failures, Christ came to die on the cross for us to shed his blood. And that's represented in the juice that we partake of this morning as well. His body was broken. His blood was shed to atone for our sins, to satisfy the wrath of God. And so we praise him and thank him for that this morning. We celebrate that together this morning. I want to give you just a moment of pause to stop and to spend some time in prayer and personal worship. Tyson's going to come and and lead us in a song or two um, to direct our hearts to that. But I just want to give you a time to pause and and be able to um, do business with God and, and praising him and worshiping him, thanking him. If there is sin in your life that needs to be dealt with, we encourage you to use this time as a means of confession as well. That as you partake of this Lord's Supper, that it is a Um, uh, an accurate statement that you are saying yes to Jesus and you are saying no to sin by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you and thank you for all your many blessings. Father, we thank you for the privilege of partaking of the Lord's Supper this morning. Father, we thank you for what it represents, the salvation that many of us in here have already experienced, that Christ came to be perfect for us, that Christ came to die in our place. 
So, God, we celebrate that this morning. And, Father, we use it as a means of encouraging each other. That as we get ready to leave today and we have another week before us, a week that we want to be productive with, a week that we want to accomplish the task that you've given to us, Father, we leave encouraged knowing that we're not doing it by ourselves. That there are other members of our church family that are striving to be the same type of individuals who are submitted to you that are striving to live contrary to the cultures of this world. Father, we're thankful that we're surrounded by friends this morning that are looking forward to Jesus coming back. And so, Father, I pray that it would be a means of encouragement for us, that as we partake together, that it would serve that purpose of encouragement and also a reminder to us that you still have tasks for us to complete, that you've still left us here on this earth for a reason. And so until you return or until you call us home, we desire to be faithful to fulfill those tasks that you've placed before us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.